Lord, thank you so much for coffee. Thank you so much for uh, worship and community and uh, life together. Uh, thank you so much that you want to grow us and, uh, and develop us and, and make us new. Thank you, Father. Uh, thank you that you love us just the way we are and yet somehow too much to leave us that way. You have processes and plans for, for growing us into, uh, into mature uh, people, mature humans. And we just, uh, we just say we want to embrace that process. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Cool. So we're in the middle of a little series on, uh, on spiritual growth, on uh, really identifying sort of five essential nutrients, uh, five sort of catalytic experiences that we have in life uh, that God sort of consistently uses to grow us uh, as people. And we're just sort of walking through those together. Uh, we sort of defined spiritual maturity just as a recap for those of you that, uh, that weren't here, um, as, as sort of having enduring faith that propels us into a radical commitment to imitate Jesus and his love and to join him in his mission. So three really key elements to that. We, uh, somebody who's mature has faith that endures uh, struggle and trial and challenges and difficulties and pain and suffering and all of that. That's a piece of what we believe when we see a mature believer. We sort of drew that from the scriptures in the introduction to the series. Uh, this ability to become someone who is tracking towards becoming more like Jesus in his character. Uh, we come to imitate him. We see this incredible person that he was, uh, God revealed through Jesus. And, and as we become mature, we just start to look more like him, kind of like, I don't know, like, uh, like, like you guys do with your pets. Kind of like that. <laughs> you know, you and your pet look slightly more uh, like each other. There's something that happens like radically with Jesus where the more we spend time with him, like he forms us in a really, uh, really deep way. And then, of course, following him in his mission. Uh, we, we don't want to just uh, endure and hold on to the things of the faith and say, yeah, we know them, we've got these. Uh, or and we don't just want to look like him, but there's, there's stuff that he wants to do out in the world that we want to be part of. We want to jump in on his mission and be part of that. Uh, all of that, uh, even from that beginning part of the series, we looked at uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. And we see a process there that encompasses those three elements. Uh, we, we get goodness and knowledge. We begin to um, take on his attributes, begin to follow him. Uh, our character is formed. We get self-control, uh, perseverance, uh, godliness. We become, like we say, more like him. And then love. We begin to look beyond ourselves. We begin to look out and begin to love people like he did. Um, and that's sort of that call. In terms of those five catalytic things that sort of tend to transform us over time, uh, we're looking this morning at spiritual uh, uh, service, uh, experience in ministry and service. And what does that sort of mean for us? How does that form us? Uh, we talked about, you know, if we have just biblical teaching, we know a lot about the Bible. We know lots of people who know lots about the Bible, and sometimes they can be mean to us. So what else is there? Uh, there's spiritual disciplines, that secret life with God. Uh, there's uh, service that forms us. There's relationships, catalytic circumstances. But this is what we're looking at this morning. How is it that our experiences uh, change us and make us into different people. How many of you uh, remember that? <laughs> Anybody remember that from being little kids you know, on skate? Some of us learned to skate uh, older in life. I learned to skate when I was 
I don't know, I was probably three or four or something. It was maybe the first time my parents uh, strapped skates on me. I played hockey uh, and all of, all of that stuff. But I can still almost remember what that was like in that little rink in Asquith, Saskatchewan, in the middle of the prairies, uh, that first time. I mean, there there wasn't artificial ice or anything like that. The rink froze. It was cold for long enough that the rink froze. And I remember just that sort of wobbly thing going down the ice. Uh, how many of you, anybody tried doing that as an adult? <laughs> Try learning to skate as a grown-up? Right, that's just higher risk involved <laughs> at that stage. When you're a little kid, you just take those bumps and bruises. Now, can I just ask you a question? Did anybody know how to skate before they ever strapped on skates? No. <laughs> you can't learn to skate unless it's by skating, right? We, everything that we learn to do, everything that we take on board as humans, uh, as, as individuals, happens in, in so many ways by beginning to walk it out and beginning to uh, track through the experience. There, there is always in life, in ministry, in our journey with Jesus, that really awkward moment of standing uh, at, the, at the side of the boards, hanging on for dear life. Maybe that moment, do you know that moment before, you know when the doors open to the rink and you're there like wobbly like this on your skates and it's like that first moment you're going to put your foot on the ice? That's, isn't that terrifying? We have all kinds of experiences like that. We have first days at school, first days at new jobs, all of that stuff. And what we're going to talk about this morning is, is how we get past that and get into places where we're going to put ourselves doing a thing we don't know how to do. Because that's what learning is about, is doing the thing you don't know how, how to do. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about even just, uh, sorry, the relational aspects of it. Like, this is part of what makes that one work, isn't it? There's a way in which uh, God hovers over us uh, like parents and just helps us out. That's, that's sort of what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, let me just uh, read you this quote from Aristotle. By nature, we acquire only potentiality to acquire virtues. What he's saying there is by nature, we acquire potential to be able to do something, but we don't really acquire an ability to do something. Like, like it's natural to have the ability, but, but something else has to happen active for us to actually be able to do a thing. To acquire virtues, we must exercise them. This also happens in the arts as well, and I love this statement. For the things we have to learn before we do them, we learn by doing them. There's something you have to learn before you start. The way to learn that thing is by doing that thing you have to learn before you start. Right? There's, do, there's action is required. We become builders by building and liar players by playing the lyre. So too we become just by doing just acts. Temperate by doing temperate acts. Brave by doing brave acts. Uh, when starting something new, the gap between what we know and what we think we ought to know uh, creates for us quite a bit of anxiety, doesn't it? Isn't that where our anxiety comes from, that moment before you're about to, to step on the ice, uh, that moment really new in a new task? I remember uh, when I was in grade eight, we moved from this little town that I'd grown up in, in Saskatchewan, uh, up to Sherwood Park, Alberta, right near Edmonton, and, uh, and I remember my first day in that brand new school. 
I remember I'd never been in a different school before. I remember uh, that sense of, like, I, I remember almost shaking. And I remember, actually, I remember my first lunch hour with my class on that day. It was like the first opportunity to sort of have social interaction with this class of people that I didn't grow up with. And I remember my parents gave me this incredible, perfect booby trap to make my uh, icebreaker experience just fantastic. Um, have you ever had it? Remember those juice boxes? Anybody ever get those juice boxes? Ever gotten one without a straw? I got on my very first day of school this juice box without a straw. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve it? And I'm like, you know, I should have got a pencil or a pen. Really cool and just left that juice box in the bag. But I didn't. My thing to do was I, I, I would use my, my teeth, these guys right here, canines, and I'm going to bite through it. That, that was my thing. That was, that was just awkward grade eight guy trying to figure out what to do on his first day of school. And so I chomped on this thing, and there it was grape juice, of course. And I just remember this grape juice going out past my lip and landing on this girl Andrea's white blouse. <laughs> like it could not have been more perfect. It could not have been better. It was such a disaster. We have these experiences all the time when we're in new places, right? It's mortifying and it's painful. And so when we have a history of these things, even from our childhood, to go into new journeys with God and new calls to ministry and, and new experiences and services is, is challenging. Uh, and we, we see so much of this in the life of Moses. Uh, I just want us to read our text for this morning. It's a bit of a longer text than we might read. We're just going to pull some things from it. Uh, but let's, let's just pray before we read it. Again, it was probably a sermon series just in this text, but let's just, uh, let's just engage with it, uh, with the scriptures here. Father, as we read this passage from Exodus and we just sort of dig into the life of Moses and his uh, challenges uh, going forward into his calling, uh, we, just, we, we just feel just like him. We, we admit, Father, that we are sometimes so nervous and sometimes so afraid, uh, but we just ask that as you call us forward as people to grow, to put ourselves in places where we're going to grow, uh, I ask that all of the gifts that you gave Moses along the way would be gifts to us as well. As we engage with this text, with the scriptures, I ask that it would inform our minds, uh, that it would actually transform our hearts. We open ourselves up to that incredible, mystical, amazing thing that the Word of God does in transforming us. Thank you so much for your Word. We, we are so grateful. Thank you so much for this incredible book that survived through so many ages. Use it to grow us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me just read, uh, read our text. Uh, Exodus uh, chapter 3, 1 to 12. Now Moses was tending his flock, um, the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a land that is good and spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God again on this mountain. So this is just one of the, the epic uh, central stories uh, around, uh, around the coming of, of the Israelites and their formation of a nation. Um, and, uh, and Moses is this incredibly, how many of you have seen like the big movies like Exodus or, or any of the big monsters? How many of you watched Prince of Egypt, that uh, DreamWorks uh, animated feature a long time ago, right? Uh, Mo- that was a long time ago, wasn't it? I'm getting old. Um, so uh, Moses is this incredible character and he's essentially somebody who's sort of escaped from Egypt. He's left that life, that place uh, behind and he's come out into a safe place in the wilderness. He's gotten married. He's uh, just doing the average thing. He's just doing his job, looking after the sheep for his father-in-law. He's settled into a nice, normal, quiet and stable life and uh, and Moses takes the sheep out to the other side of the, of the wilderness and comes across this bush in the middle of the wilderness that is just burning. It's like LEDs or something. It's just constantly burning, but it's not being consumed. And, and he's drawn by his curiosity to this, and as he gets close to it, uh, he hears the voice of an angel or the voice of the Lord speaking out from the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And he has this incredible encounter with the holiness of God, calling him to go from that place of safety and comfort uh, where he's pretty happy into a new and exciting place. And what we're going to do is just take a second and just look at some uh, moments in this encounter with God and just see what we can learn about going into new things and learning on the, on the journey. First uh, thought here is that, you know, Moses saw that this bush was on fire and it didn't burn up. And, and, and he just, there's something in this said, well, I just want to go over and see this strange sight. This is weird. There's something odd here. There's something different here. There's something that has captured my attention. There's something that's captured my interest here. And God just, I think, likes to use the natural curiosity that he's put in us. There's so many people, so many stories that I know of people who have uh, begun a journey in ministry or who have begun uh, something new or have decided to try something simply because uh, for, for reasons almost unknown to them, they've noticed something about it and been captivated by it, been captivated by an interest in it. Like, like what is that? What is that about? Why, why does home church transform lives? Why? Why, what is it about those kids? Why do they come back every week from, from kids' church uh, excited and happy? Like, what is it about that? What, what is it? Uh, I want to encourage you to just look 
to the things in the, in, in the journey that God might be calling you to and just pay attention to your curiosity. Pay attention to the things that are questions that come to you. Pay attention to the moments of wonder, the moments of surprise, and, and begin to hear that maybe the Lord is calling you just by what makes you curious. It's just a thought. As Moses approaches the bush, um, he, he's called, and he's called by name. The Lord says, Moses, Moses. And first, I love that, I love, I love that he says it twice. I love that, that he says it twice. There's lots, just, just ton, dozens of commentaries. But you know what I think, it, I think it was? You know what I think God said Moses, Moses twice? Because Moses, like us, when something radical happens or a call from God happens or we feel an interest in something, the first time we, we, just, we just tune it out and can't compute it. Right? How many of you have ever, like, called your children up from the PlayStation before? You know, anything? Jack, you know that? Do you, how often, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not throwing Jack under the bus a little bit. Just, I love you, buddy, so much. But, like, it's maybe 5 to 10 to 25% of the time that he comes bolting up the stairs the first time I call him. Right? Jack! Crickets. And then it's, Jack! I do tend to bellow at my children in pure Jesus love. Um, <laughs> right? There, there's something about us that are like that when God calls us to stuff. Like the first time we hear it, we're like, is that for me? Uh, maybe, I, maybe I didn't really hear that. Like maybe I can just keep doing my thing. But the Lord captures Moses. Moses, Moses. And, and this is what I love. He calls him by name and not by function. He didn't say, hey, shepherd. He didn't say, hey, future leader, hey, potential leader. He called Moses by name, and, and I think in that, uh, this is just a little thing that we can see that, that God was much more interested in Moses the person than he was in the function that Moses could perform for him. God does not call you as a functionary. God does not call you uh, to do a job. God does not just love you for what you can do. He does not just love you uh, for the things you can achieve or accomplish for him. Uh, we use this phrase so often. I feel like it's, it's amazing that God has used me for that. And it's true, it is amazing. God, God takes our lives and, and causes them to be a contribution to a bigger story. But I want us to really know that he's not interested in using you. He's interested in you. And we're going to see that in the rest of the story, that, that that whole journey of learning and growing through experience is all about him connecting with you, all about him building relationship with you. He doesn't just want what you can do. He wants you. He wants you. He wants your heart. And as Moses comes closer, God says, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God calls us uh, into a place of intimacy, uh, into a place of relationship with him. That word holy is a place that is set apart for God. And when we're called to be and do a thing that God calls us, he calls us as people to do that, but he calls us into an intimacy with him and into a sense of presence. That's the first part of the call. It's a call to relationship. It's a call to separateness. The, the call of God into something new is always a call to him first. 
It's always the call to him first. Uh, and, and, and I think we see this all the time with, with the way that, that people serve, with the way that people uh, love. You, you know that if you're one of the people who's maybe uh, in, in there this morning uh, and you've been on that sort of roster of people who care for kids uh, at OVV Grow, you know that there's a moment before you go in that classroom to care for those kids, and maybe it's the day before, the night before, or the week before, but, but almost all of those people, and, and I experience it as a preacher and a teacher, that I have an encounter with God that precedes the ministry almost all the time because God is interested in my heart, and he's interested in your heart, and he's interested in us having something authentic of our relationship with God to share. So as we're called into something, look for and enjoy that moment of being called to him. He loves you. I like that. And then, and of course, just jumping to Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. We're called to the Lord. We're called to him and not just uh, to service, not just something that is uh, entirely practical, but we're called to something spiritual. And at the same time, I've, he says this in verse 7, I've indeed seen the ministry of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out. A part of how God draws Moses is by giving Moses a piece of his heart and inviting him into the story and showing him the big picture. God draws us in by inviting us to share his heart, uh, inviting us to take on his posture for those that we're called to care for and those that we're called to serve. And, and it's, it's actually sort of the longest little segment uh, when you break down this passage where God just tells the story of the Israelites, of the pain that they're in, the struggle that they're in, and where they're going. Uh, he wants us to connect and be called to him and called to relationship with him and also called uh, to have his heart of compassion for those that we care for. Uh, when we, uh, when we are, are doing ministry at OVV, when we're calling you into different things and inviting you to serve in different areas in the community, you've got, I hope that you can hear this from our hearts, is that we're not calling uh, us to a serving of OVV. Uh, this, is, this is for Carlton Place, this is for Almond, this is for uh, Ashton and Perth and Smith Falls and everywhere our sphere of influence is and everywhere our relationships uh, take us that, that, that I hope you're hearing from the heart of God that, that he longs not just for us who have come out here and who are gathered on Sunday morning, but he has a longing for that guy across the street who's sitting there watching Netflix this morning. God wants us in, in this moment to connect with the loneliness of that person with whatever sense of bondage that they have uh, to uh, their own fear, with whatever sense of bondage they have to uh, their own brokenness. God wants you to feel that. And he's going to use that uh, to draw you to serve, to draw you to invite that friend into a life of faith. And, and I know that we as people, we often feel like we have enough of our own uh, stuff going on, but there are inklings where, uh, where God is going to come to you and he's going to just show you a glimpse into somebody else's life, into what somebody else is going through. And we might at times say, whoa, that's too much. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to wrestle with that compassion. I've got my own stuff to deal with. But just know that God is going to give you the strength to bear his heart for the lost. He's going to give you the strength to care 
the way he cares. And, and, and part of our journey of growing is becoming people who are able to live outside of ourselves, outside of our own needs, outside of our own thing. Like God could have come to Moses here in this moment and said, hey Moses, this is going to be a great career choice for you. I just want you to know you're really going to grow in this experience. And uh, you know you're going to grow in leadership. It's going to be a fantastic uh, time for you. Moses, I think probably as you're leading the Israelites, you might, you know, eventually you're probably going to have the best tent. That's going to be really good. People are going to make sure you have great robes and and all of that. So there's, there's an incentive program for you, Moses, that you can, you can follow. It's going to be a, a super great journey. Retirement is going to be okay. Uh, I can see ahead you've got this 40 years in the wilderness. You're not actually going to get to the promised land. I don't want to tell you about that little piece at all. Uh, but, I mean, it's just going to be great, Moses. Just go for it. Like, like Moses, God isn't that kind of recruiter. <laughs> right? He's like, I want you to have my heart for those people. I want you to have my heart for them and love them like I love them. So the calling is both uh, deeply spiritual and immensely practical, isn't it? Right? God calls us to relationship with him, and he calls us to a deep connection with the people that we're ultimately uh, designed to care for and designed to serve. And at the same time, our job is sometimes, uh, for Moses, strap on your sandals and walk to Egypt. Right? Strap on your sandals and get your feet dirty. Strap on your sandals. Uh, you're going to have to organize the people and the sheep and, and, and get there and get this done. So it's deeply spiritual and deeply practical. And you know, like we have these, we have these experiences all, all the time. One, one of the things that I do on, on Sunday mornings, uh, on the Sundays where I'm not leading worship and I'm able to be here a little bit early, and if you came here at probably, you know, 9.30 or so, you'd, you'd see me doing it as, uh, as I often... I'm a little bit, I've got a little perfectionism in me, just a touch. And if the chairs are out, I'll just come over here and I'll just kind of give, give one of these. And, and I'll come, it's 9.30, I'm doing one of these. And I'm just kind of, adjust, oh, that one. Very, very practical, right? But, but it's also really spiritual because as I'm doing this, I'm like, oh man, Lord bless the person that's, nobody ever sits in the front row, so don't bless that person. Uh, Lord, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, for over the, on that side. I love you guys so much. You know, like, bless the people who are sitting in here. Like, Father, I pray that they will have an authentic encounter with Jesus. I pray that you'll, you'll care for them. I pray that you'll, you'll reach them. I pray that you'll touch them. And so even ministries that are intensely practical, we see this in Barry all the time. Barry's setting up the sound system. He's here consistently hours before anybody else. And, and I watch Barry, you know, pull out the drawer and, and lift the speaker onto the stand. And he's doing a very practical thing, but I know Barry's heart. Barry's a prophetic person. He's a person with a heart for people. And he's doing it as, as worship, and he's doing it as ministry. And he's praying that uh, the words that I speak uh, will be words that will go from here uh, through this system and through that speaker, and that there'll be words that will touch your heart. It's intensely practical and immensely uh, spiritual. It's both. It's both and. Uh, so never, never knock uh, the gifts that, that, are, that are so practical in terms of our calling to serve. And Moses is sort of laying out this experience. He's having this experience. And God sort of ends this uh, little section in verse 12 with this idea. 
he, he says this, oh, and by the way, I, I'll, I'll be with you. Remember that picture of that mom hovering over her little kid that's learning to skate? The Lord will be with you. Whatever thing that you're being called to, he'll be with you. Uh, from the very beginning all the way through to the end of the story, from that moment with your feet on holy ground uh, to the moment when you're like walking across the desert, trekking towards Egypt and you're thirsty and you're wondering where the next cactus is that you can cut down and scrape some water out of it or however that works. I don't know how you go across the desert. God is with you. In all of those moments, it's a relational thing. So, so it comes to this, like when, when you're nervous about uh, starting something new, uh, I mean, that I means starting is a challenge, right? But you should know that once we're in there, there's a process, right? There's a process of learning, a process of growing. Uh, there's always this sort of sense when you're trying something new that you're walking into the unknown, that you're walking into a future that is uncertain, uh, you know that there's a huge gap between what you know and experience and what uh, might be there for you in the future. Uh, but that process of learning by experience, that there's actually sort of a known and identified, like from a sociological, psychological perspective, a process that we go through when we're in that. Uh, there's something called cold cycle of, of experiential learning. That's just, I mean, it's just sort of a side note on the, on the sermon, but uh, there's that moment of concrete experience where you interact with something new, that first time you step into a Sunday school class, that first time you set up the chairs, that first time uh, you go to a home church and uh, maybe you get asked to say the prayer. Like, like I mean, this is, this is awesome. Like, being, being, being at home church and seeing somebody pray out loud for the first time ever in their life is like a huge moment, right? Where, where, where they come outside themselves and they realize that there's something that they can share with the community in a way that's, that's beautiful and, and powerful. Uh, so there's this concrete experience. Um, and we don't always go on to these, these, uh, the rest of this learning process. And the reason I bring it to us is because when we step into something new, we sometimes have a, a difficult experience with that concrete moment of entry into the new experience. But there's always more for us. Like, it's worth pausing after that experience of learning to, to reflect on what your experience has been like. It's worth moving on to, how do I find language for this? How do I articulate what I've learned? How do I uh, conceptualize it in a way that I describe it and teach it to somebody else? And then how do I take what I've learned and within the same scenario, experiment with it and try it again? Uh, when you're in somewhere new, be conscious of a process that it gets from hard to easier as you go. And you get something that, that helps make it better. But all that aside, uh, if, if we're realistic, um, we often get to a place of feeling called to serve. And uh, any of you still have objections? Right? There's, there's more internal stuff that's going on. And what, we didn't read the whole text, but Moses walks through all of this stuff. Uh, Moses says at this one point in his journey, um, verse 1 in chapter 4, but what, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? That's Moses saying, but what if I don't have credibility? What if I fail? What if it just doesn't work? Any of you ever had just... just just come into something like that with just a straight up fear of failure <laughs> all the time, right? 
just straight up, I'm going to blow this thing, and it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. I just, I, 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 and, and who am I to do this anyway? Like, I have to uh, share this. What right do I have to uh, speak to youth, or, or what right do I have to, to make it work? I'm a fraud. I mean, Moore Crispin, our, our youth pastor, says all the time, he said it right from the front so I can say it for him as well. He's like, man, I'm such a fraud. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> right? Well, Simon's leading maybe in the west end of Ottawa, maybe the third or fourth largest youth program in, in, the, in our region as a, as a guy who doesn't know from week to week what the heck he's doing. And he knows it. And, and, and Simon's heart is, if I ever figure out what I'm doing, I'll know I'm really messed up. <laughs> right? Because he's got a heart that's passionate to learn, a heart that's passionate uh, to grow and to develop. And, and, and going into a task doesn't presuppose that you know how to do it, right? You go and you learn along the way. So we go into every task that we're called to go into as a complete fraud. Welcome to the club. When we planted this church... We didn't know how to plant a church. We had no idea. Read some books, done some stuff. We didn't know how to, how to start a church. Made a ton of mistakes along the way. And, uh, and, and a crazy journey. But sometimes you just start, whether you have the credibility or the sense that you know how to do it or not. Uh, Moses later says this, um, God answers Moses that sense of lacking credibility, lacking the ability, and goes into this incredible encounter with Moses and his staff. That's one of the things we most remember about Moses, right, from watching the Exodus and stuff. He's also got a big staff in his hand, and he's using it to perform miracles, and he strikes the stone, and he uh, pounds it into the ground, and the water's part. He's got the staff. Well, that whole story of the staff started with uh, that part of the story when, when Moses is like, Lord, I, I can't do this. I'm a fraud. I don't know what I've got. And, and Moses says, well, you've got a, God says to Moses, well, you've got a stick. I mean, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. You've never led anybody before. But Moses, you've got a really great stick there, buddy. That's a really nice stick. <laughs> and we go into stuff feeling like that all the time. What am I talking about? I, all I've got is a stick here. Like, like how am I going to do this? And God goes, I'm going to show you the trick you can do with a stick. <laughs> right? God's going to show you stuff you can do with the little pieces that you have. Some of you are even thinking, like, like there's maybe some of you here that are, that are uh, not even, like, in a place where you're ready to embrace Christianity or to accept it. Uh, one of the things that people often wrestle with as they're wrestling with their faith is, I mean, I just don't understand this whole thing. I don't even understand this whole Christian journey yet. I still have uh, objections about it. I, I still have uh, questions about, uh, can I trust the scriptures? Uh, why do good things happen uh, to good people, but sometimes bad things happen to good people? Uh, why do all of these things uh, go on? I don't understand uh, whether God is, is holy and how he can love us. Uh, what are the wrestles? And God will often call you to just trust and take a step into relationship with God before you've got all those answers figured out. You just start with Jesus loves me, this I know. Guess we're going. <laughs> Guess I'm following you. I don't get it. I don't get the whole deal. I don't have every piece of, of this journey figured out, but but I, I guess I know you're kind of real and I'm going to follow you along the way. You've got a little piece, a little stick. Trust that God is going to do something awesome with it. 
Um, Moses uh, comes, uh, adds another objection to the Lord. Like, he, I don't feel like I have credibility. I don't feel like I, I, I have the ability. I feel like uh, I, I'm a fraud. I, I, I'm not there. I don't have this. And, uh, and, he, and he goes on to say this. says, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since uh, you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Ever just feel like you just don't have the stick even? You just feel inadequate. Like, like I don't have the ability uh, to follow God. I don't have the ability to, to follow him as a Christian because I don't seem to act like a Christian yet. Uh, I don't have the ability to care for kids. I don't have the ability to uh, serve in this or that because I just, I just don't have the talent. I just don't have the abilities. And, uh, and Moses is, of course, concerned with speech. How many of you think, like, public speaking, how many of you think public speaking is pretty terrifying? Right? It's a, it, it can be a, a scary thing, right? We feel inadequate. And Moses is like, I can't speak. And the Lord says to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? some theological things to unpack there, but uh, there's just this question, you know, like, God's like, so I'm calling you, and I made you. What more do you need? God made your body. God made you. Like, who am I to say that he can't use me? Who am I to say that I'm worthless? Like, what right do I have? How dare I say that God can't use something that he has made? He calls us back to creation. He calls us back to our formedness. He calls us back to our madeness. Oh, I can't do it. I could never do that. I, I just don't have what it takes. Well, you do have what it takes because I made you. And I don't make junk. If you feel like inferior, inadequate, and a unable to do a thing that you think God might be inviting you into, you need to suck it up, <laughs> buttercup, <laughs> and say, okay, God, you call me. You must know what you're doing. You must know what you're doing. And he goes on, and he says, he says, and he's still like so generous with Moses. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. I love the order of that. Now go! And then I'll teach you what to say. There's a step of faith required, right? So often what God calls us to, there's just, we just got to go and trust that we're going to learn on the way that process that we were talking about. Moses still has objections after all. Can you imagine all of that? This incredible encounter with God. You're standing on holy ground. There's a bush that's burning. And God is telling you about your calling. And you're arguing with him. Well, I don't think you got this right, God. Like, like I got a list here that we got to process together. Uh, there's some boxes, God, that you've got to check before I'm going to do what you're, you're telling us to do. Like, I love the audacity of Moses, right? Uh, but uh, Moses says, uh, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And I think this is sort of a... a an imperfect translation, he's, he, what he's really saying there is, please send somebody else with me. I just don't want to do it alone. 
How many of you just fear that if you get called out into something that God wants to do in your life, some area of service, some area of a new and a fresh commitment to him, that you're just going to be hung out to dry? Right? Like I'm, I, I had a visit with one of our, one of our youth. is a new kid that comes to the youth program, uh, doesn't attend church, not a believer, and he was just sort of milling about, and I was there on Tuesday night, and I just said, so j- let's just, let's just, do you have a second to chat? Like where, where are you at in your journey? I think you're, I can see in your eyes that you can sort of tell uh, that Jesus is real. I can, I can sort of tell that, uh, that you're interested, that you're drawn to him. What do you see, young man, as the barriers that are between you and your relationship with Jesus and, and accepting him? I'm very, very self-aware for probably a 15-year-old kid. And he says, I'm afraid that if I say yes, that it will be good at the beginning and then God will leave me pretty self-aware for a 15-year-old kid. I think we share that fear a lot of the time. I'm going to start this thing and I'm just going to be left hung out to dry. And the Lord would, would say to you that he, he, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to hang you out to dry. One, he is going to be with you. But two, he sends us amazing people on the journey to be with us all the time. We have moments of loneliness, but there are ways in which we, we encounter people uh, who are going to connect with us, and, and God facilitates that. That part is almost out of our control, who God will send to connect with us. Uh, and he, God answers most. He says, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I will help both of you. So God just throws Aaron under the bus, <laughs> right? <laughs> Moses is really grouchy about this. He's, I'm having a hard time convincing him. Guess what, Aaron? You're going with him, right? <laughs> right? Amen. I hope that you will let God throw you under the bus for somebody else and know that God will throw somebody under the bus for you. That he wants you to have a uh, relationship and community and joy on this, uh, on this incredible on this incredible journey. And we're going to talk actually about that next week. Uh, next week's sermon is on those serendipitous relationships, right? Those relationships with people that, that form us and change us and, and transform us. There's some really beautiful things in the scripture about those and how they work. Um, so Moses uh, then finally responds, right, in his heart to the Lord. We know that Moses ultimately goes on the journey. This is, this, is, this is how Moses goes, and I just love this. I love this piece about Moses. Uh, Exodus chapter 418 reads like this. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any are still alive. <laughs> right? Like Moses is starting this journey with really low hope. <laughs> right? And in fact, I think he's kind of hoping like, when he gets there, like, there's, they're all going to be dead. I'm not going to have to do this. <laughs> right? Like, we get dragged kicking and screaming into these things. And sometimes we go with low hope. But we just got to go. We've just got to go. We've just got to try it. So here's the question for you, and this is something for us to meditate on, and you can just stand with me now, and we'll just pray about this together. You know, what's your next step? What is the next learning encounter for you? Maybe for you, uh, as we've talked about earlier, it's, it's even just committing to Christianity itself for the very first time. 
Maybe it's coming back from a, a lifestyle of having abandoned God and left him behind and, and given him a very small place in your life and you want to begin to follow him again and begin to do relationship with him again. Maybe it's, it's those very, very early steps in your journey with God. Uh, maybe it's a call to, uh, to ministry, to, to serve, to uh, serve in church and, and help reach uh, Carlton Place uh, with, along with us. Uh, maybe it's uh, connecting with safe families, uh, this ministry that we're beginning to partner with as a church. Uh, something that we've had on our heart for a long time is how do we serve uh, the young people, uh, families of Carlton Place? Uh, how do we serve those who are uh, in places of brokenness? One of the things that happens in Carlton Place all the time is that uh, when people reach a certain level of poverty, uh, they have nowhere to go in this town and they end up in the larger centers in, in Montreal, in downtown Ottawa, in Toronto. Uh, and and we, could, we could stop that from happening, I think, with a partnership like this as we, as we learn and grow in it. So maybe that's an area where you might want to participate. But what is it that God is calling you to as your next thing? What is your next step, your next concrete experience of growing deeper in your relationship with God? And I'm just going to pray and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to us in this moment. And, and, and let this be an authentic encounter with Jesus because he wants to speak to you. He doesn't want you stagnant and staying in the same place. He wants something new. He wants growth for you. So Holy Spirit, come in your power, come in your love. Would you begin to speak to us? Would you embolden us? Would you pour out courage, Father? Just courage to open our ears to hear the voice from the burning bush calling us to step out from where we are and into somewhere new. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Here we are, just like Moses. Here we are on holy ground. Come and speak, Lord. Father, I pray that these whisperings in our hearts is calling on to something new. Uh, would go deep inside of us. I pray that you'll uh, wrestle us through our fears and objections. And you would just give us courage to take that step. For everyone here who's, who's hearing in their heart a calling to pursue relationship with you, uh, for the, maybe for the first time, who, anyone here who's been resistant to your love, afraid of you, afraid of what it might mean if they give their lives to you, Father, would you just gently call them forward and give them courage to take that first step in relationship? Call us to you. Call us back to you. Call us to ministry. Call us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Uh, the light is still on in the coffee. <laughs> Go grab a cup. Visit with a friend.